0: Welcome to the Freemasons Podcast, coming to you live from Morning Star Lodge number 47. Leave your aprons at the door, brethren. Oh, Abraham who raised his hands and on this very day. And for his children left the promised land in search of their own way. They kick and scream like wayward sons and always wanting to sleep. Hello and welcome to the Freemasons Podcast with your host, Right Worship Brother George Marjorie. I am up here solo today. I uh, want to apologize to our listeners for not going live for a while because uh, Joe is preparing for a uh, marathon he's going to be doing, so he's uh, practicing that. Ken is, I, I don't know, f- fixing his motherboard or whatever the hell he's doing, and uh I have been, actually, I'm going for a job with the Department of Homeland Security, so I have been in training, so it has been extremely difficult to get up there. No sound. What do you mean, no sound? Are you kidding me? Hello. It's sound. See, there's no sound. I'm trying to find that. another sound board. is there sound is he messing with me he's fucking with me isn't he <laughs> alright I'm going to uh, continue the 10th tablet Joseph Schultz if you're messing with me please let me know because uh, I'm the only one up here so there's sound that's what I thought son of a bitch he got me he got me alright that's very nicely done very nicely done uh, in the comment section, Joseph Schultz said there's no sound yet, and there was clearly sound, so, very nicely done, very nicely done. So, we're gonna be covering the Lost, uh, the Lost Book of Enki, and, uh, I'm gonna continue on with Tablet 10. The very last place that we left off is, uh, we left off where they were waiting for the deluge to happen, and, uh. This is the account of how the deluge, the great flood, swept over the earth and how the Anunnaki escaped and how Zizidra in a boat survived. If you remember correctly, the last time that uh, we were going over this, it was Zizidra who is, in a sense, uh, Noah. Um, He was was told by Enki. uh, Not told by him, but again, Enki was talking to the reed hut. Uh, He was talking to the wall because he was forbidden from telling him uh, that the flood was coming because and Lil wanted uh, humanity or mankind to perish completely in the flood. So he went to the side of the reed hut and he told the reed hut to build a boat and get his family members in there. You know that another character in here said that they were going to save all the life essences or seeds of the animals that were inhabited on Earth and uh, stuck them in the boat with them. So let's continue on here for days before the day of the deluge, the earth was rumbling groans as with pain. It did for nights before the calamity struck in the heavens, Nibiru as a glowing star was seen. Then there was darkness at daytime and the night and the moon, though by a monster was swallowed. Interesting thing about this is in the Bible. There's actually a story about this and I can't, um, my Bible is, I'm a little rusty in the Bible, but, uh, one of the prophets had said that uh, when the, the day of the Lord was coming all of the stars and the moon would be blotted out so I find that quite interesting then there was darkness in daytime Oh, excuse me the earth began to shake by a net force before unknown it was agitated it's gravity In the the glow of the dawn, a black cloud arose from the horizon. The morning's light to darkness changed as though by death's shadow veiled. Then the sound of rolling thunder boomed. Lightnings, the skies lit up. Depart, depart. Utu to the Anunnaki gave the signal. Crouched in the boats of heaven, the Anunnaki heavenward were lofted. So they're, they're hauling ass. They're getting the hell out of Dodge. In Shurabak, 18 leagues away, the bright eruptions by Ningal were seen. Bottom up, button up the hatch, Ningal to Zizidra shouted. Together, the trapdoor that the hatch concealed, they pulled down. Watertight and closed completely was the boat. Inside, not a ray of light penetrated. Again, we're talking about, in a sense, Noah's boat here. One second. All right, cool. Um, On that day, on that unforgettable day, the deluge with a roar began. In the White Land, at Earth's bottom, the Earth's foundations were shaking. White Land. It can be snow-covered. Antarctica. Then with a roar to thousand thunders equal, off its foundations, the ice sheet slipped. By Nibiru's unseen net force, it was pulled away into the South Sea, crashing. The sheet of ice onto another ice sheet was smashing. The white land surface like broken eggshell was crumbling. All at once a tidal wave rose, the very skies was the wall of water's reaching. A storm its ferocity never seen before at earth's bottom began to howl. Its winds, the water of the wall of water were driving the tidal wave northward was spreading. Northward was the wall of waters on rushing the Abzu lands it was reaching. Abzu. Um, again, I'm, I'm surmising that that is southern Africa. There, Therefrom, toward the settled lands it traveled, the Eden it overwhelmed. We're talking about the Middle East. When the tidal wave, when the tidal wave, the wall of waters, Shurabak reached, the boat of Zizidra, the tidal wave from its moorings lifted. So the boat that Zazidra had made, Noah's boat, it lifted it off the ground, tossed it about like a, watery, a bit, like a watery abyss, the boat it swallowed. Though completely submerged, the boat held firm. Not a drop of water did it enter. Outside the storm's wave, the people overtook like a killing in battle. In other words, the, the wave just mashed the hell out of everybody. No one, his fellow man, could see. The ground vanished. There was only water. All at once, the ground stood by the mighty waters away, was swept. Before days and the watery wall gathering speed, the mountains it overwhelmed. In celestial boats, the Anunnaki, the earth, were circling. Crowding the compartments against the outer walls, they crouched. What was happening upon the earth down below To they, to see, they strained. From the celestial boat in which she was, Ninma, like a woman in travail, crowded out, uh, cried out. My created, like drowned dragonflies, in the pond the waters fill. All life by the rolling sea wave was taken. Thus did Ninma cry and moan. Inanna, who was with her, also cried and lamented. Everything down below, all that lived, has turned into clay. Thus did Ninma and Inanna weep. They wept And eased their feelings. In the other celestial boats, the Anunnaki, by the sight of unbridled fury, were humbled. The power greater than theirs, they with awe those days witnessed. For the fruits of earth they hungered, for fermented elixir they thirsted. The olden days, alas, to clay have turned. So to each other the Anunnaki said, after the immense tidal wave that swept over the earth... The solstice of heaven opened. A downpour from the skies upon the earth was unleashed. For seven days, the water from above with waters from the great below were mingled. Then the the wall of water, its limits reaching, the onslaught ceased. But the rains from the skies for 40 more days and nights continued. Interesting. And there you go. You got uh, your 40 days and 40 nights thing. It's something that's... uh, over and over and over again. Joseph Schultz. I wonder how many flood stories exist across the world. Almost every major religion has a flood story, including the Mahabharata, which is in India. Uh, Buddhism. There's there's a, there's some form of a flood story. And uh, this this when I read this this book, this chapter really got me because you know you can almost put yourself in the Anunnaki shoes and imagine just looking from, from not even a spaceship. Let's say we're in a helicopter. Or a plane and looking down and seeing this happen. I mean, it's uh, there's a movie that's on TV. It's, uh, I think I talked about it last time I was on here, but it's called um, Oh God, I can't remember. It's on Netflix, but it's basically about the the flood that happened in Indonesia, and just the power of that wave that wiped out that entire area. It's it's, it's insane. You can almost uh, <clears throat> feel <clears throat> the the tenseness and the pain in in the story. We don't don't we all have a flood story? Yeah every every major religion has a form of a flood story. Um, uh, it's of some sort, uh, and actually this has also been proven that there actually was a major flood. There's actually multiple major floods, but uh, when they have uh, uh, when when scientists have gone to Antarctica and they've cut away chunks of ice, because they do samples of ice, they can actually see where there was a there were there was uh, different types of style. I'm not a scientist. So Ken will tell you more um, But the, the the different layers of the ice you could actually see that some major event occurred that uh, Pretty much wiped out everything on the planet <clears throat> Let's continue on here uh, From their perches, the Anunnaki looked down where there were dry lands now was a sea of water where mountains once To the heavens their peaks raised, their tops now like islands were the waters. And all uh, that on dry lands was living, in an avalanche of waters perished. Then, as in the beginning, the waters to their basins were gathered, waving back and forth day by day, the water level came lower. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened, I mean, verbatim in uh, Indonesia when that flood happened or the tsunami happened because uh, it took... A while for the water to recede but eventually the water receded out of, of dry land and back to the ocean so what they're basically they're, they're giving you an account of what happened yeah the the water went all the way up to the mountains and uh, as it slowly started to recede it drew back uh, you could start to see more and more um, then 40 days after the deluge over the earth swept the rains also stopped after the 40 days of Zedra, the boat's hatch opened, his, water, his whereabouts to survey. A bright day it was, a gentle breeze was blowing. I believe this is in the Bible too, in the, in the, in the, the story of Noah as well, where he let a, a, a raven go out of the boat to try to find, waiting for the bird to come back. So again, here you go, Same same story, different religion, older text. Because again these were all on uh, Sumerian cuneiform tablets and everything uh, this is where it comes from right here this is this is right where where religions of modern day have pulled the stories from um, just on another side note uh, just talking about the 40 days and 40 nights thing it's a very it's rep- it's repetitive in the Bible it's repetitive over and over and over again and here you go this is this is your 40 days and 40 nights um, all alone, with no other sign of life, the boat upon a vast sea was l- lowly. Uh, mankind, all living things, off the earth's face were wiped out. No one except a few of us survived, uh, Us few survived, but there was no dry land to set a foot upon. So did Sazodra to his kinfolk uh, family, um, say as he sat down and lamented. At that time, Ningal, by Enki, appointed the boat, Toward the Twin Peaks of Arata directed. <laughs> and there you go. There, there you go. Arata. They called the, uh, Mount Ararat Arata. And Ningal is telling him, hey man, turn the boat. This is where you're going to go. So he's being, he didn't just happen to land on Arata. He had a spotter in a sense telling him, hey man, direct your boat over to the, the Twin Peaks of Arata. And if you look at, if you go on Google Earth, and you look at Mount Ararat, which is what it's called today, there are two mountains. Interesting. A sail for her he shaped toward the mount of salvation he then the boat he guided. Again, now they're calling it the Mount of Salvation. Impatient Suzidra was, birds that were on board he released, to check for dry land for surveying surviving vegetation to verify he sent them. He sent forth a swallow, he sent forth a raven, both to the boat he re- returned. Again, a bird if he can't get to find dry land, it's going to go back to the last place it knows where it won't drown. He sent forth a dove with a twig from a tree to the boat. It returned, and there's your—that's uh, a Masonic um, symbol as well. The dove with the with the twig in his mouth. I, I don't remember exactly what it is. It might even be a spig of acacia, but I could be wrong. Uh, but that—that's—that's that's you even see that uh, in churches and stuff. Churches have the same symbol: the dove with the twig in his mouth. Now Zazudra knew that the dry land from under the waters had emerged. A few more days, the boat by rocks was arrested or got stuck. The deluge is over and the mount of salvation we are, so did Ningal to Zazudra say. Um, Opening the watery hatch from the boat, Zazudra emerged. The sky was clear. The sun was shining. Gentle wind was blowing. Hurried upon his spouse and children, he to, and I apologize. This is like, yeah, I, I suck with words and all that stuff, and I'm terrible at reading, but this is this is written, first off, it's translated from Sumerian, which is a lost language, to English, and on top of that, I believe Zechariah Sitchin was Lithuanian, so sometimes the way he writes this book or he wrote in this book, and I'm doing my best to ad-lib or or fix things, but uh, it's a tough read. It's, it's hard with the language barriers, so I'll try this again hurriedly upon his spouse and children he to come out called told her to get the hell out of the boat get out of the car the lord enki let us praise to him give thanks to them zezudra said with his sons stones he gathered with them an altar he built there you go this is your noah story then a fire on the altar he lit with aromatic incense he made a fire An O lamb uh one without blemish for a sacrifice he selected there you go this is your this is your Noah story, right here upon the altar to Enki the Ulam, lamb uh as a sacrifice he offered at that time, Enlil from his celestial boat to Enki, words conveyed, let us in whirlwinds from the celestial boats upon the peak of Arata descent, so here come the gods. this is. This is uh, the the more in-depth version of the Bible story. But this one, they're actually saying that the gods and Lil and Enki were descending on the Mount of Arata. Uh, Joseph Van Howe, uh, you're too hard on yourself about reading as long as I can understand in the end, who cares? It, it's a tough read, man. This it, The way that he... The some words I I believe I believe do not translate over from Sumerian to English. So I believe Zechariah Sitchin plugged in where he could to make it make sense in a sense in English. And uh, on top of that, um, he also, like I said, he was Lithuanian, so he's not Russian, but same language. So you got three forms of language that are getting thrown around in this book here. So let's get back into this. Um. The situation to review what to be done is to determine. So Enki and Lil are going to land on Arata. We know that Zazudra and Ningal are both there because um, they landed in, in the boat, but now these guys are coming down. Nothing good can come out of this. While the others in the celestial boats to Earth and circuit continued, and Lil and Enki in whirlwinds upon the peak of Arata descended. Smiling the two brothers met with joy, their arms they locked. Then Enlil, by whiffs of fire and roasting meat, was puzzled. Again, remember Enlil's the guy who wanted all humanity to go away. What is that? to his brother. He shouted. Has anyone in the Deluge survived? Let us go see, meekly to him, Enki responded. So Enki is well aware that uh is <laughs> alive. But he's playing stupid. I don't know how they got there. In their whirlwinds, to the peak of Arata, they flew over. To the other peak of Arata, they flew over. The boat by Zezudra they saw, by the altar that he had built, they landed. When Enlil, the survivor, saw Ningal among them, his fury no bounds had. He was pissed. Every earthling had to perish. He with fury shouted at Enki. With anger he lunged to his to kill his brother with his bare hands. He was ready. He is no mere mortal, my son. He is Enki. Hmm, that's not like Yoda. Mm, he is no mere mortal, my son. He is um, Enki. To Zazidra, pointing, cried out. For a moment, and Lil was hesitating. You broke your oath, at Enki. He shouted. To a reed wall, I spoke, not to Zazidra. <laughs> I. <sighs> You have to give credit to the balls of Enki right here. I didn't tell him. I told the wall of his frigging house. I didn't say anything to him. Not for nothing. That would piss me off tenfold. I'd be pissed off that you told him. But I'd be more pissed off if he tried to beat around the bush and said, Nah, I was talking to his wall. That would... Whatever. <laughs> um, Enki said then to Enlil a dream vision related. Uh, he's talking about the dream vision of uh, Galzu who showed up and gave him the whatever for the boat when the account of events they heard Ninurta and Ninma the account were not angered so they were happy the, the two females who were well I think Ninurta is the, his son but Ninma is his sister and you know again they created mankind in a sense um, uh, the survival of mankind the will of the creator of all must be so did Ninurta to his father say Ninma Her necklace of crystals, a gift of Anu, touched and swore, On my oath, the annihilation of mankind shall never be repeated. Relenting, Enlil, by the hands of Zizudra and Amarza, his spouse, he took and blessed them thus, Be fruitful and multiply, and the earth replenish. (laughs) Flat out of the Bible. Be fruitful and multiply. Thus where the olden times ended so this is the olden times and so now basically what that means is um they're going to rebuild they're going to be done with the 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 olden times they're going to try to rebuild from what what's left and uh, start over again but i just want to go back here on real quick and i'm not done with the the, the tablet yet but um god i think he's got some balls <laughs> basically and thank God he did because you know, if this is a true account of things that we've forgotten as humans and mankind, um, he was basically responsible for us surviving in a, in a sense. Um, but right here and this, I want to just say this to to all the conspiracy theorists or you know the people who are like oh the aliens are coming to kill us all and you know Hollywood portrays this says every time there's an alien movie the aliens are coming to destroy mankind says it right here. She says, on my oath, the annihilation of mankind shall never be repeated. So if aliens are coming, they're not coming to kick our ass. If, if these guys are really a thing and they come around every 3,600 years uh, for one of their years, which is a char, and, uh, you know, whenever the hell the last time they were here, count it from there, do the math, figure it out in your head when they're coming. But they're not coming to to wipe us out. Uh, The only thing that would probably cause us to be wiped out is if we did some dumb shit and we went attack them. And uh, well, I won't get into our current commander in chief. Uh, We'll skip right past that. Um, But anyway, uh, interesting flood story right there. Uh, Quite, quite captivating. Let's get into now. This is the account of how the survival of Earth was restored. I'm going to take a quick wet my whistle because I'm doing a lot of reading here um, and how a new source of gold and other earthlings beyond the oceans were found oh shit so it wasn't just Zidra who survived clearly there was others it was after the encounter at Errata and the waters of the deluge to recede continued and the face of earth gradually from under the waters was showing the mountain lands were mostly unscathed but the valleys under mud and silt were buried oh shit From the celestial boats, from the whirlwinds, the Anunnaki, the landscape, surveyed. All that in the olden times in the Eden and the Abzu had existed under the mud was buried. So there you go, folks. Um, Hold on, I'm going to read this real quick. Joseph Schultz. When the ark began to float when the floodwaters and the land, is it true that one of his children kept asking, are we there (laughs) Ah uh, yeah and uh, my assumption is he probably threw him out of the freaking boat like uh, us parents want to do every time we go 15 feet down the road yeah, i'm sure there was a kid going like Are we there yet oh uh, that's funny um uh, if we uh joseph van Howe, if we were wiped out would there be another fraternity like freemasons probably wouldn't be called the same ah uh, uh, that's an interesting thought um i would have to say that of those uh, are you talking about like complete humanity wipeout? Because if that's the case, then there ain't no damn fraternities. But if you're suggesting that there are going to be people survive and start over again, my belief is that uh, of those, I mean, there's six million masons around the world, six million of us. So my assumption is of those six million, a couple are going to survive, and I would hope would bring the tenets and the lessons of Freemasonry to a to the new the new times if you will yeah we're gonna if we're gonna make reference to olden times you know this is the olden times if there's gonna be a new times um my assumption is that masonry would still be around uh more likely would history more like history would repeat itself potentially um some unfortunately you know i know we try to um we try to subdue our passions but i mean uh Mankind has a tendency of of seeking power and and you know trying to be the big man on campus if you will and uh, that 's just part of our nature as as human beings is to have an alpha somebody to run it somebody control it 's just kind of it 's just how it is and again, understand you know even if you want to believe this story let 's say we 're going to go with this story we 're a part Anunnaki but we 're also animals we 're also you know part ape according to these guys. And if you think about it, I mean, even apes have alphas. And uh, these Anunnaki are constantly fighting with each other anyway. So we got a little bit of both of it. Uh, do all flood stories cover the same time period? Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, I, I, I believe so. I mean, it's pretty much most religions go back to 10,000 years ago or whatever the case may be. I, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not down with all religions. I know a few of them, but I don't know if it's all the same time period. But I believe so. Let's try this. Let's start over. Sorry. Um, so basically all that the olden times to Eden is gone. So for you archaeologists, your asses are going to have to dig because if there's anything left to Eden or the Abzu, it's buried. Good luck. Uh, Iridu, Nibiruki, Key, Shurabak, Sipar were all gone, completely vanished. And this is actually true because I believe that Sapar was one of the cities that they found in Iraq that they were excavating and then ISIS went and blew it up because um, they wanted to get rid of all that crap, and I believe that they packed thousands of pounds of TNT into where the dig site was and destroyed it. That's a true story. Um, but I believe that, yeah, they had to dig into the ground, and it was buried. The majority of it was buried underground. It's a shame. But in the Cedar Mountains, the great stone platform in the sunlight glistened. And there you go. There's your uh, there's your, your Lebanon uh, monolithic... Things where you know the Romans ended up building a temple to Apollo or whatever, whatever it was. But there's the big monolithic stones in Lebanon that I believe the uh, uh, the terrorists are basically living on right now. Um, but that survived. That platform survived. The landing place in the olden times established was still standing. Oh, the landing place. So it's still there. And we wonder how they got those big monolithic uh, stones there. Why, where they come from? There you go. Also funny is you also have that other place up there in Turkey that they just uncovered that's 10,000 years old, but they recovered it because one stone was sticking on the ground and now they're digging all the dirt out and they're like, oh, maybe they covered it. Or maybe it got uh, washed over in the flood, which is why it's in perfect, you know, Uh maybe that's why they did bury it. Maybe they did bury it to protect it from the flood. Well, moving on. One after another, the whirlwinds upon the, land, the, upon the platform landed. The platform was intact at the launch corner. The huge stone blocks held firm. Clearing debris and the branches away, the first two land in the chariots signaled. One after another, the celestial chariots came upon the platform. They touched down. Then to Marduk on Lamu, he's on Mars. Again, we talked about that. And Nanar on the moon. Oh, they were on the moon. Excuse me. At this point. Then to Marduk and Lamu and Nanar on the moon were, words were sent. And they to earth returned. Upon the landing place they came down. Now the Anunnaki and the Aigigi, who were thus gathered by Enlil to assembly, were called. The deluge we have survived. But the earth is devastated. So did Enlil to them say. All ways to recover we must access, be it on Earth, be it elsewhere. So basically they're saying let's salvage what we can salvage, whether it's on Earth or elsewhere. Let's We need this freaking gold. Lamu, by the passage of Dvimbiru, was devastated. So did Marduk relate. So he's talking about Mars now. Listen to this. Its atmosphere was sucked out. Its waters therefore evaporated. and pl- It is oh, a place of dust storms it is. It's modern day Mars. The moon by itself cannot sustain. Only with eagle masks is staying enabled. We we're talking about you got to wear oxygen masks in a sense. So did Nanar to the others account give, and then to the words of uh, then the words of enamor he added. Once there, that it was Tiamat's host leader. One must recall of earth, of earth a companion it is. With it, earth's destiny is connected. Uh, Once there, it was that it was Tiamat's host leader, one must recall. It's interesting. I'm not really picking up that, but continuing on. Lovingly, Enlil to his son, shoulders his arms put. With survival, we are now concerned. Because, again, these guys can't go back to um, Nibiru. They can't go back to their home planet. Um, Their bodies aren't used to their old planet anymore. Uh, and the same similar thing would happen to humans if we ever found a planet that we decide to have it, uh, including Mars. Uh, you're going to get used to Mars' gravity. And I hope Elon Musk took this into consideration because uh, once you get used to Mars' gravity, which is substantially lighter than Earth's, you come here to Earth, and it's going to cause all kinds of health problems. Um, so did Enlil to Ninar report, uh, mildly retort, now sustenance is our first concern. Yeah, we need to friggin' eat. Uh, let us the sealed creation chamber examine. Perchance Nibiru seed we shall find in it. So they had a creation chamber somewhere uh, with uh, seeds to build things. So did Enlil to Enki say of the grains once created him, reminding at the side of the platform, clearing some mud, the shaft from times remote they found. Interesting. There's a shaft. Pretty cool. That's why astronauts have to do decompression chambers when they get back home. Yes, you're absolutely right, Brother Joe. Absolutely right. Same thing would happen. Now, mind you, these guys, their their years, their their, their year is thirty-six hundred years. Thirty six hundred years to one of ours. So they live longer, which you know, they, they, they last longer. Uh, so in a sense they have a form of immortality. But now you come here to this spinning rock that's zipping around the the sun you know at insane speeds it it, it, they age faster so uh what you're basically going to have is is that um your your body is just not going to be able to withstand going back to something you're not used to and uh yeah it'll eventually lead to them to to death They'll, they'll die um so uh let's see, get back into this um the stone that blocked it they lifted off, so there's a shaft somewhere along the platform. I'd love to get into lab- Lebanon and find that friggin shaft um that goes down into some sort of subterranean creation chamber where they keep seeds and shit that would be frickin' cool, of course, you can't get there because uh some i don't even know I, I don't even remember the name of the um the the terrorist group that's there it's they're they're basically living there so you can't go there as a terrorist either or excuse me as a tourist um the diorite chests with seals were fastened the seals with copper key they made open inside the chests in the crystal vests uh vessels the seeds of nibiru grain there uh, were there Once outside to Ninurta and Lil the seeds gave to him, he was thus saying, go to the mountainside terrace, let the grains of Nibiru once again bread provide. In the Cedar Mountains, on other mountains too, Ninurta waterfalls dammed. Terraces constructed, they're they're fixing shit. The eldest son Zazudra to raise crops, he taught. To Ishkar, his youngest, and Lil another task assigned. Where the waters have receded, go and remaining fruit-bearing trees, find. So yeah, they're looking for food and stuff. Uh, to him, a as a fruit cultivator, Sazur's youngest son was assigned. There they go, using human using humans again to uh, to do all their dirty work, fuckers. The first fruit they found a vine that by Ninma was brought. It was, of its juice, as the Anunnaki's elixir renowned. Zizidra took a sip. By one sip and then another, Zizidra was overpowered like a drunkard. He fell asleep. Interesting. Uh wonder what the hell that was. Uh, a fruit that gets you drunk? Help me out here, guys. Maybe it's grapes. I don't know. Then a gift of Anunnaki and Earthling Enki presented. The chest that Ningal had carried he unveiled. Its surprising contents to all he announced. The life essences and life eggs in the wombs of the four-legged animals from zazidra's boat he can be combined um, sheep for wool and meat will multiply cattle for milk and hides we all have so he's basically gonna repopulate the earth he's gonna start um, he's gonna start uh, repopulating the earth with the the seeds that he saved uh, no different than what we do that's uh, we have we have cold chambers or whatever that uh, have seeds. I think there's one in Norway and is whiskey a fruit? (laughs) Whiskey comes from potatoes, so I don't think so. Um, And and of its juice, as the Anunnaki elixir renowned, uh, Zazidra took a uh, a sip, so I don't know. I'd love to know what this freaking elixir fruit though is. I'm going to start drinking that shit all the time. Um, Moving on. To Demuzi, the... The shepherding tasks Enki gave in the task was Zizidra's middle son assisting. Then to the dark hued landmass where his his and his son's domains had been, Enki to his attention turned. To the dark hued landmass. Dark hued dirt because light hued would be or clay hued would be no Uh, With Ningal at the confluence of mighty waters, the mountains he dammed. Fierce waterfalls to a lake he channeled and let the waters as a lake accumulate. Then the lands between Abzu and the Great Sea with Marduk he surveyed. Uh, Between the Abzu and the Great Sea with Marduk he surveyed. So the Great Sea, my assumption is if he's talking about Africa, we're talking about the Atlantic Ocean here. Um. The lands between the Obzu and the Great Sea. He's talking about the Pacific. He's got to be talking about the. He's, I'm, excuse, excuse me. He's going to be talking about the Americas because the lands between the Obzu, Africa, and the Great Sea. The Great Sea would be the Pacific Ocean. So that the, that would be the land. I mean, if I was going to, if I was a betting man, that's where I'm thinking he's going. He's in the Americas. Vodka comes from potatoes not that Oh yeah, Joseph <laughs> Schultz. Um. Let's see here. Uh, when habitations once were the river valley, how drain to be considered at midstream where the rivers waters cascaded an island from the waters. He raised in the bowels, twin caverns he carved out above them from stones, sluices he fashioned. Wait a minute now. Uh, I don't know um, if anybody's got any ideas right in the comments of where he's talking about because now he's talking about islands popping up and all I can think about is uh, on Malta where they have those those stones and that's what he's talking about here there's some sort of an island uh where in the bowels twin caverns he carved out and you got that that huge cavern that's on Malta it's like an echo chamber or something like that um Thus, the flowing waters from the highlands coming, he could slow or let go faster with dams and sluices and the two narrows, the waters he regulated. From the cavern island, the island of Abu, the river's serpentine valley from under the waters he raised in the land of the two narrows, uh, Gibraltar, maybe. Um, From Demuzi and the shepherds as habitation did Enki fashion. With satisfaction did Enlil to all the Nibiru words send. Uh, With words of concern, Nibiru responded. Of course they're concerned. Fuckers only care about their own planet. Moving on. The close passage that Earth and Lamu affected on Nibiru too much damage caused. The shield of gold dust was torn. The atmosphere was dwindling again. Here we go. They're more concerned about themselves. Not just the hell that the entire human population got the shit mashed out of it, but they're concerned about their planet. Uh, And you, you have to... I mean, come on now. This is human. This is humanity right here. This is the same crap we do here on planet. Like, oh, well, You know... Some major thing happens and it's like, oh, you know, oh, at least it didn't happen here, right? Um, Fervently to the Abzu, Enki went with Gibel, his son, to survey the search he journeyed. All the gold mines were gone, but the avalanche of water, they were buried in the Eden, Bad Tabara, too, no longer existed. Remember, Bad Tabara was the city that uh, they melted the the gold, so that they can transport it. In Sapar, a place for chariots was no more. Sapar was a place where they took off and landed. Um, to the hundreds of Anunnaki in the mines in Bad Tabara toiled from the earth were gone. Uh, the multitude of earthlings and primitive workers serving by the deluge were to clay turned. Yeah, all the humans died. No gold can from from earth any more be provided so did Enlil and Enki to Nibiru announce on earth and on Nibiru there was desperation at that time Ninurta his tasks in the mountains of cedars completed to the mountain land beyond the oceans once again journeyed from that land on the other side of the earth astounding words he delivered interesting so now we see this he's definitely talking about the Americas here definitely my assumption is going to be South America the avalanche of water deep cuts into the mountainsides. There tore from the mountainsides uncounted gold in nuggets, large and small. To the rivers below, fell down. Without mining, the gold can be hauled. So, because the flood happened, it uh, it ripped up the mountains and the gold fell up. And I, I one, uh, if I was a betting man, I'd say about ninety percent positive. He's talking about South America, uh, pr- probably around Chile and all that. Enlil and Enki to the distant mountain land hurried. With amazement, they, the discovery, viewed. California, yeah, Joseph Van Hout, yeah, could be. Rocky Mountains could be California. Um, that, that's, that, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's absolute possibility. Gold, pure gold, refining and smelting not required. All about was lying. A miracle it is, so was Enki to Enlil saying. What by Nibiru was wrought by Nibiru was amended. So basically what he's saying is uh big Nibiru, yeah, went and fucked up Earth as it passed by and you know caused all kinds of flooding. But on the flip side of it though, because it did that, now it ripped open the side of mountains and here's our gold right in our lap. Take another quick swig here so I don't run out of talking loop. Um now, who can collect the nuggets? How to Nibiru they could be sent, the leaders each others asked. Of the first question, Ninurta had the answer. In the Highland Mountain on the side of Earth, some Earthlings have survived. Descendants of Cain, they are. And again, me and Joe talked about this uh, in in depth, I think, the last time I did this. And, and they said that Cain was banished was sent to the other side of the earth. I believe this was also the case in the Bible. And I'm not 100% sure if it's in the Bible, but in in the Sumerian stories, they altered Cain's DNA so that he could not grow facial hair. He's not allowed to have facial hair. And me and Joe surmised, and one of my my assumption is is that he's talking about Native Americans because I do not believe Native Americans can grow facial hair. I don't believe they have facial hair. And now you have descendants of Cain on the other side of the earth where Native Americans are. Um, They are descendants of Cain and with the handling of metals, they are knowing. Four brothers and four sisters are their leaders on rafts they themselves saved. Now their mountaintop in the midst of the Great Lake is an island. Uh, And again, (sighs) interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Joseph Van Howe, he says, I don't know about South America, but this sounds just like the gold rush. Yeah, it does. Um, and he also said, uh, I've never seen a native have facial hair, at least. No, I've never seen a Native American have facial hair unless they are some sort of a, um, uh, if they have any other type of lineage in their in there. But a pure-blooded Native American, I believe, cannot grow facial hair, or does not grow facial hair. Uh, write in the comments if, if you got proof otherwise. But I believe that... Uh, According to this story, uh, the descendants of Cain, after he killed Abel, were banished over to the Americas. And that's how Native Americans got here. And uh, as you can as you can tell by the Incas and the Mayas, I mean, everything they had was freaking gold. They smelted gold. They made little idols and stuff. And it's interesting in their stories, uh, even to this day, the Mayans that I do there, because there are Mayans that still practice and did survive, even though their society collapsed or whatever. Um, the, one of the things they talked about is the white man or a white, uh, a white God. The God was white. He was a pure, pure white, um, white male or whatever coming back. And he was going to be there. He, he was going to come back to their society. And that's actually how the Spanish conquistadors tricked them into allowing them there and, uh, basically decimated their entire, uh, civilization because they believed that. The, the, the Spaniards coming over here uh, were their gods, and they didn't know any better. Uh, no, I believe Sp- Hispanic can grow facial hair. Um, I think, actually, I- I'm not 10% hard- sure on that, uh, but I've seen Hispanic men with uh, the the moustache. <clears throat> uh, let's continue on here. Um, so they're on their mountaintop of a, in the midst of a great lake is an island. Uh, as the protector of their forefathers, they me did recall a great protector. They call me by the report, and it's interesting because uh, that's actually what they called uh, I believe the, the god they were waiting for to come back was the great protector. By the report, the other Earthlings had survived. The leaders were heartened, even and Lil, who the end of all flesh planned was no longer angered. Yeah, son of. This, I'm telling you, this is where you get your duality of gods. You have your En, your Enki, who was, yeah, it's all right, man. You know, we're, I'm a good god, I'm a just god, I'm a compassionate god, I'm a loving god. And then you got this son of a bitch, and uh, and Lils, are will kill them all. Whatever. It is the will of the creator of all to each other. They said <clears throat> that uh, the defend- descendants of Cain uh, were there, and uh, uh, this is where you get your everything happens for a reason. And also. uh again they they talk about the creator of all so even to them you know this book that i'm reading here for for the the religious zealots that i talk to on a regular basis when they decide to uh, spam the comment section of my videos if you actually listen to this they're saying that there's they believe in god too they they they're saying that there's a creator of all so this does not does not discount the that there is a God. So when people ask me, like, how could you believe in this stuff, or how could you you read this stuff and, and believe it, you know being a Mason? Well, right here. Creator of all. So it does not interrupt my Masonic beliefs. Now let us to the new place celestial chariots establish. Therefrom the gold to Nibiru sans. So now in this new land, I believe South America Uh, They're going to establish a new place for chariots to, to, and and again, Joseph Van Howell, I'm going to get into why I believe it's South America uh, coming up, and I'm trying not to do spoiler alerts, but uh, this is why I believe it, because they're going to build a new place for celestial chariots in a mountainous region that has gold from the new plane whose soil has dried and hardened, they searched, and the proximity of the landing place in a desolate peninsula, such a plain they found. Flat as quiet lake it was, by white mountains it was surrounded. Now this is the account of the new place of the celestial chariots, and the, ugh, and the artifice twin mounts, on how the image of the lion by Marduk was usurped. Okay. Uh, So now that's, I want to make clear that this story's ending because they put a little break in the book here. So that story's ended, and now we're moving on to another area, uh, the place of the the celestial chariots. So they're building a place of the celestial chariots over in what I believe is South America, and now we're flipping over to the other side, of the uh, over by um, the Middle East and all that stuff and how the image of the lion by marduk was usurped we'll get into that in a minute <clears throat> in the peninsula by the anunnaki chosen the heavenly ways of anu and enlil on earth were reflected so let the new place of the chariots precisely on that boundary be located let the earth of the plane of the heavens reflect so did enlil to enki suggest once enki to this agreed enlil from the skies took distance measures. So he's measuring out. Uh, so they need, in a sense, some sort of a runway or a guidance system as to how to land on Earth is basically what they're doing. So uh, I guess, you know, I mean, we think of rockets or spaceships as they go up into the, they go up in the air and they go straight up. Well, that's not true. They don't go straight up. They actually, if you ever watch when a... a, a the spaceship takes off or goes into space. It actually goes up and then it curves and it starts to actually go on an angle, it's almost parallel to the Earth's to the Earth and its atmosphere. The same theory is is in place when a when a spaceship comes back into uh, the, the, the the Earth. It's got to come and kind of follow the Earth and ever slow slightly, kind of angle down. On to Earth. And the reason being is because the atmosphere is thick for Earth. So when a, point, when a, when a spaceship comes in, if it comes in too rapidly, it'll just burn up, go right up. Two, if they come in too shallow, it'll actually skip off the atmosphere and bounce off like a rock. Um, <clears throat> so that's pretty much what they're doing. They're setting up a, a they're measuring distances to have some sort of a, an effect in, in a space runway in a sense, to, to, to come into the atmosphere. Um, and we got a little bit left, and I'm, I'm, I was going to do 11, but I'm, this is a long-ass chapter. Uh, so let's let's wrap this up. I'm going to get a little bit longer. We're going to finish up. I got three pages left, and then uh, you guys can hit it up in the comments if you got anything else you want to add or thoughts you have. Uh, and you can do it while I'm reading as well. Uh, so let's see here. Um, where did I leave off? Uh, on a tablet, a grand design for all to see, he marked out, let the landing place in the Cedar Mountains be part of the facilities. The distance between the landing place and the chariot place, he measured. So one place is a landing place. One place is a chariot replace. Interesting. Uh, on my assumption is chariots are you're going to be your inside the atmosphere ships and your landing place is going to be your rocket ships to get off. No different than we have airports and we have the you know, space space station or the space launch places uh, in the midst thereof a place for a new Mission control center he designated there a suitable mount he selected the mount of way showing he named it the mount of way showing Joe's mic is coming loose the mount of way showing he named it uh, anybody want to take a guess of what you think this is well, mind you you got the, the the landing place in in Lebanon and uh, they're looking for another place to go. So it's going to be somewhere nearby. Obviously, it's going to be a straight shot. So if anybody wants to take a guess as to where he's talking about, this mount that they're going to build up stones. And uh, this is going to be the land, another smaller landing place. Um, a platform of stones akin but smaller than the landing place to be built, he ordered. In the midst, a great rock was carved inside and out. Come on. Come on, I want somebody in the comments to pick up on what they're, they're they're doing here. To house a new bond heaven earth it was made. A new navel of the earth. The role of Nibiruki before the deluge to replace. The landing path of the on the twin peaks of Arata in the north were anchored. to, to demarcate the land cor the landing corridor. So this is a landing corridor. Um, and Lil two other sets of Twin Peaks required. So now he's saying, so we got the we got the um the Twin Peaks of Arata, but now we need two other Twin Peaks. Uh, to delimit the landing corridor's boundary, ascend and descend secure. So he wants to make sure that there's a distance made between two peaks of mountains and two peaks of somewhere else. Uh, so that we can gauge when to to take off and land and altitudes and all that stuff makes sense. In the southern part of the desolate peninsula, a place of mountains, twin adjoining peaks, and lil selected on them the southern delimit he anchored, where the second set of twin peaks was required mountains there were none. Only a flatland above the watery clogged valley from the ground protruded artificial peaks thereon we can raise, so did uh, Ningazida to the leader say. anybody want to take a pe- anybody want to take a guess on two mountains that are artificial peaks in a flat area anybody want to take a guess? On a tablet, the image of smooth-sided skyward rising peaks for them, he drew. If it can be done, so let it so be, and Lil with approval said. Let them also as beacons serve. On the flatland above the river's valley, Nengazita, a scale model built. The rising angles and four smooth sides with it, he perfected. Next to it, a larger peak, he placed its sides of to Earth's four corners he set. Come on, guys. Killing me in the comments here. I want you. Guys, I want somebody to pick this out. I know exactly what he's talking about, but I want you to guess at it. By the Anunnaki, with their tools of power, were its stones cut and erected. Beside it, in a precise location, the peak that was its twin he placed. With galleries and chambers for pulsating crystals, he designed it. When this artificial, artful peak to the heavens rose to place upon the capstone, the leaders were invited. So they're having a the capstone unveiling or whatever you want to call it, of Electrum, an admixture by Gibble fashioned. Pyramid of Giza, bang. Absolutely right. The Great Pyramids. And it's interesting that if you take, and this is a little side note, and it's actually in one of the other books I have, um, Uh, I'll have to find the book. Uh, It's one of the uh, other ones, and it's actually by uh, um, Zechariah Sitchin's wife who wrote the book, but there's an image that they show a map, and you can actually take a line, and you can draw a ruler, and you can draw basically a straight line uh, from the peaks of Arata straight down to the pyramids of Giza, and Jerusalem lands right in between it. And that is the other mount that he was talking about doing the landing place. Jerusalem. Heaven and, uh, heaven and earth bond. Bingo. Jerusalem. navel of the earth. It's the place, the heaven and earth bond. It still is to this day. Every major religion has stake in the temple mount. That was the landing place. Let's continue. Uh, where'd I leave off here? Uh, here we go. The sunlight to the horizon reflected by night. Remember, uh, going back on um, uh, going back on talking about the Pyramids of Giza, understand they didn't look like what they look like now. They were covered in limestone. They were shiny as shit. And apparently they had some sort of a capstone on top, which I'm sure either they took when they got the hauled ass out of here, or um, they uh, people melted it down and stole it or do whatever the hell they did with it. It was made of electrum. I don't know what the hell electrum is. Uh, but anyway, let's continue. The sunlight to the horizon, it reflected by night like a pillar of fire it was. The power of all the crystals to the heavens, it beamed, it focused. So it shot beams uh, into space. It shot light beams into space. When the artful works by the designed were completed and ready the Anunnaki leaders the great twin peak entered at what they saw they marveled Enkur house which like a mountain is they named it so your actual the pyramid of Giza is called Enkur Ecker, Ecker, excuse me A-E-K-U-R Ecker. Uh, a beacon to the heavens it was that the Anunnaki, the deluge survived and prevailed forever. It proclaimed now the new place of the celestial chariots gold from across the seas can receive from it the chariots to Nibiru, the gold for survival shall carry from it to the east where the sun on the designated day rises, they will ascend. So that's why it was all, uh, Um, That's why it was all basically aligned to to Earth perfectly. Still is to this day. Well, I don't know, because I think earthquakes move the Earth's axis a degree or something like that. But whatever the case may be, it it lines up uh, with the four corners of the Earth, in a sense. Um, And this is why, because they were using it as a navigational beacon. Uh, So I hate to, in this case... I hate to inform all of my Egyptian friends, uh, the ones who are into Egyptian mythology, and that it was a burial place. Interesting thing that they call that the Great Pyramid of Giza was a burial place because they never found a body in it. They found sarcophagus, never found bodies. And yeah, you could say, oh, somebody stole it. Yeah, sure, but uh, there was never any um, gold found in it. There was never any, and actually, that there's there's chambers dug underneath great. Uh, it's actually a great. That's actually one of the. The I'm not a big ancient aliens guy, but uh, one of the episodes that when they talked about is that uh, the Great Pyramid being a power source. And uh, check it out. It definitely opens your eyes to things. Let's move back. Um, that the Anunnaki, the deluge survived and prevailed forever. It proclaimed. So it was basically a. It was a. It was a. A dick monument, if you will, <laughs> part of my French, but that's what they're saying. Uh, Iker house, like uh, house, house with oh, house, which like a mountain is. They named it a beacon to the heavens. It was that the Anunnaki, the deluge survived and prevailed forever. It proclaimed. Uh, now the new place of the celestial chariots, gold from across the sea can receive. Um, from it, the chariot to Nibiru, the gold for survive shall carry. From it to the east, where the sun on the designated day rises, they will ascend. And yeah, this is basically a navigational beacon. Then and Lil by his own hand, the Nibiru crystals activated. Inside, eerie lights began to flicker. The enchanting hum and stillness broke. Outside, the capstone all at once was shining. Brighter than the sun it was. The multitude of assembled Anunnaki, a great cry of joy uttered. Ninmo, by the occasion, moved. A poem recited and sang house that is like a mountain house with a pointed peak for heaven and earth it is equipped the handiwork of the Anunnaki it is house bright and dark house of heaven and earth for the celestial boats it was put together by the Anunnaki built. House, those interior with reddish light of heaven glows, the pulsating beam that far and high reaches it emits. This is a song that she's apparently singing. Lofty mountains of mountains, great law lo- great and lofty fashioned. Beyond the understandings of earthlings it is. No shit, even to this day. House of equipment. House a uh, lofty house of eternity. Its foundations, stones, and waters touch. And that's true, there's water underneath the great pyramid. Its great circumference in clay is set. House whose part, whose parts are skillfully together woven, the great ones who in the house uh, in the sky circle to a resting make descent. Um, house that for the rocket ships is a landing mark with unfathomable insides. By Anunnaki himself is the Eker blessed by Anu. Excuse me, by Anu. Himself is the eker blessed. Thus did Ninma, at the celebration, recite and sing. So they actually, on a clay tablet, had that whole freaking song on a tablet. While the Anunnaki, their remarkable handiwork, were celebrating, Enki to Enlil, words of suggestion, said, "When in future days will be asked, when and by whom had this marvel been fashioned?" Let us beside Twin Peaks a monument create. The age of the lion let it announce. What are we talking about here, folks? The Sphinx. The image of Ninkazita, the Peaks designer, let its face be. Let it precisely toward the place of celestial gods gaze. Boom. There you go. When by whom and the purpose let it to future generations reveal. So did Enki to Enlil suggest. To the words and lil consent to Enki said, of the place of the celestial chariots, Utu must again the commander be let the, gla- with the, let the glazing gazing lion precisely eastward facing with Ningazida's image be. So they're going to basically put Ningazida's face on this lion. When the work to cut and shape the lion from the bedrock was proceeding, Marduk to his father Enki words, a grieving said. Uh, To dominate the whole earth to me, you did promise. Now command and glory to the others granted. There's Marduk getting a pissing contest again. Without task or dominion, I am left. In my erstwhile domain are the artifice mounts situated. On the lion, the image of mine must be. So Marduk's on my face on a lion. Real quick, I'm just going to read the comments back here. Uh, Joseph Schultz. So since the Anunnaki never came back, did their planet die off or due to the lack of gold? Just trying to understand the purpose of their presence. I read the Sphinx originally had lion's head. Um, so let's go. I'm going to tackle this one by one. So in, in, in this book, uh, it basically, I'm going to address the first question. So since the Anunnaki never came back. Did they're, so here's the thing. The ones that were here, they had to stay here. Um, and they did age and they aged much quicker. So yes, they, they, they have immortality on Nibiru, but here on earth, they didn't have more immortality. So Marduk, which is actually a Babylonian God in, I believe in the ancient Babylon stories, he did die. He went away. Um, so my assumption is that the Anunnaki who were here and were bound from this bound to this earth, they did die. Um, Nibiru, and it talks about how they cannot come back to earth until Nibiru gets close to uh, to Earth, gets closer to Earth, because they just can't travel that far. Because you're fighting all the net gravities of all the different planets. I don't. Know, again, I'm not a freaking scientist, nor am I an astrologer. But they they talk about it in this book that they had to wait. They had the comings and goings. It was plus or minus, I believe it was 50 years, um, for them to actually get close enough that they could make the trip to Earth. Uh, and again, it comes every 3,600 years. I mean, if you think about it. We don't know what the hell happened 3,600 years ago. It was, uh, I mean, we're still guessing as to what happened 3,600 years ago. So, <clears throat> sorry about that. My assumption is, is that the ones that could get out, got out, went back to Nibiru. Uh, they may have very well gotten the gold they needed to, to fix their atmosphere. Or maybe, uh, maybe they're going to come back again and say, hey, we need more gold. Which is why humans are uh, humans are big into gold. we got gold rings, gold earrings, every Karen you know. Got gold rings, gold, gold earrings. Yeah. So my point being is that what's to say they ain't gonna come back? Um, they may have gotten what they needed, and, or you know, flip side of it, maybe they were dealing with the humans, and the humans got pissy. Uh, they were clearly outnumbered them, and uh, maybe we rebelled. I don't know. Yeah, it's, just, it's an interesting question now. The purpose of their presence? Yeah, they want the gold. And again, it's it's not the gold you're thinking of. Uh, I believe that the gold that they are talking about is called mitochondrial gold. And it's actually powder. They grind, they grind it up. They they, they powder it up. And, and we use gold on spaceships. Uh, I believe it's inside of their heat shields. So if you really think about it, if you had a hole in your atmosphere and you pumped it into the atmosphere um, and it was able to just kind of be in the atmosphere... Patch a hole in a sense. Um, the Sphinx originally had a lion's head. And uh, see, here's just the thing, though. You know, it, it it may have had originally, and this is the way I'm kind of gathering here because you're seeing Marduk getting pissed off at Ninkazida because he's getting aggravated uh, that Ninkazita, um is going to have his face on the line. And Marduk's getting pissed off about it. Uh, I've read this book before. I don't remember everything that happens, but you're going to see a fight between Ninkazita and Marduk. And uh, they're going to battle it out. And at some point, um, I don't know if it's initially, but eventually Marduk wins. So my assumption is Marduk said, F this guy. And unchiseled <laughs> or, ch- or or made a smaller version of his face oh. over Ninkazita's, if I had to guess. Uh, that's probably where we're going with this. But let's continue because I'm almost done with this chapter. I got like another page and then uh, we're going to cut it off. And then we'll get into tablet 11 another time. But by these words of Marduk, Ninkazita was angered and the other sons were also annoyed. So everyone's getting pissed off Marduk. Like, dude, shut up. He's that kid, he's the middle child. By the clamor for domains, Ninurta and his brothers were also aroused. Lands for themselves and devoted earthlings, everyone was demanding. So they're all getting pissed. We want our own freaking land. We want our own earthlings. Let not the celebration, a a contest become, Ninma. Leave it to a woman to say, guys, calm down. Uh, Amidst the raised voices shouted, the earth is still in havoc. We Anunnaki are few. Of the earthlings, there are only survivors. Let Marduk and Ninkazita of the honor not deprived, let Marduk, Ninkazita of the honor not deprive. Uh, let us Marduk's words also heed. Notice she's saying, let's not deprive Ninkazita of this, you know, but let's not forget what Marduk is saying. So did Ninma the peacemaker to the contending leader say, For peace to prevail, the habitable lands between us should be apart set. Here's where you're getting your concept of nations. Enlil to Enki said, everybody wants to be propped up in the leader of their own friggin' land. This is where why we have nations on Earth. It's, 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 uh, it's clan versus clan. Peop- it's leader versus leader. There, these are your nations right here. To make the peninsula an uncontested divider, they agreed, to peacemaker Ninma, they allotted it. Uh, so Ninma was the original female who got Egypt, in a sense. Til- uh, Tilman, the land of the missiles, they named it. To earthlings, it was beyond bounds. So earthlings were not allowed to be here. Um, for the descendants of two sons, Zezudra, uh, unless I'm wrong, uh, make the peninsula. Maybe they're talking about the, uh, not the, the uh the Gaza Strip not gaza is it gaza sinai peninsula that's what i'm thinking the sinai peninsula maybe that's what they're talking about ah maybe because they were talking about um the the image of Ninkazita, the piece Zion. he's talking about the lion facing eastward toward interesting well that changes the whole story about sinai interesting the land of the missiles let's get let's continue though um for the descendants of the two sons, the Shem, and Yaphet, therein to dwell. Um, this is the habitable lands to the east, thereof to enlil his offspring or so land of the east, they were given to him. The dark hued landmass that the Abzu included to Enki and his clan. So Enki's taken Africa. Uh, the people of Zizidra's middle son, Ham, to inhabit were also chosen. Uh, to make Marduk their lord of their lands and master, Enki appeased his son, suggested so he's, uh, um, let uh, excuse me, by your wish, let it so be. And Lil to Enki about it said in Tullum, in this mountainous south, the abode for Ninma is Mother Ninurta built. Yeah, so that's what it is the southern part of the sinai peninsula is mountainous so she's taking it near the spring with date trees a verdant valley it was located the mount the mountain peak ninurta terraced a fragrant garden for ninma he planted yeah, he's talking about sinai mount sinai when all was thus completed A signal to all the outposts on Earth was given. From the mountain lands across the ocean, whirlwinds the gold nuggets brought. So they're taking the gold from wherever in America, bringing it over there, and starting the whole damn shit show up again. From the place of the celestial chariots to Nibiru, the gold was lofted. On that memorable day, Enlil and Enki to each other said and agreed, let us Ninma, the peacemaker, with a new effort, name, honor, Ninurdsag mistress of the mountain head let her name let us name her so they're given ninma a new name ninhurtzog by acclamation was ninma the honor given henceforth Ninersag, she was called praise to Ninersag, the earth the peacemaker in unison anunnaki proclaimed and that is the end of the 10th tablet um so, uh, I am going to read the synopsis of the eleventh tablet just for the hell of it. And if you guys got anything in the comments that you want to pay attention to, we're going to go to add to this interesting stuff. But synopsis of the eleventh tablet. We're going to get into this next time we do uh, the tablet, the tablet of uh, the lost book of Enki. The spaceport's land Tillam is declared a neutral zone it's again. Sinai. It is granted to Ninma, who is renamed to Nursog. Marduk gets the dark lands. The Enlites, Enlilites, the Olden Lands, Marduk's grandson, Koro, Satu murders Asar, impregnating herself. Asar's wife, Asta, bears Huron. In aerial battles over Tilum, Huron vanquishes Satu. The Enlilites deemed it prudent to prepare another spaceport. Enki's son, Demuzi, and Inanna, I believe this is the story of Samson and Delilah, but I could be wrong, Enlil's granddaughter fall in love. Fearing the consequences, Marduk causes Demuzi's death. Seeking his body, Inanna is put to death and resurrected. Oh, interesting. Uh, Inanna watches a war, launches a war to seize and punish Marduk. The Enlilites break into his hideaway in the Great Mount. They seal the uppermost chamber to entomb Marduk alive. Marduk's wife Serapent and his son Nabu plead for his life. Ningazida. Knowing the mountain secrets, reaches Marduk. Marduk, his life spared, goes into exile. Enki and Enlil divide the earth among their sons, like I said. Anyway, interesting stuff. I'm glad you guys all tuned in. I hope you enjoy this. I'm going to continue doing this because I think it's very important to, uh, to go over this. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Definitely expands your mind and definitely makes you think definitely makes you think makes you re recount religion just a just a smidge thank you worship brother joe schultz uh try my best uh it's interesting to me i thought you guys would think it's interesting as well and uh until next time i'm gonna sign off and get the hell out of here so for the Freemasons podcast thank you for joining me for this special um as soon as i'm done with all of my department of homeland training and all that stuff and uh when Joe's done with his marathon, we're gonna get right back into it. So but in the meantime, if I if I can come up here and and, and do uh Lost Book of Enki or are we even cover something or we could do a, a comments episode where you guys all just pop into the comments and just start firing questions off. Um, I'm all for it. So but anyway, that being said, for the Freemasons podcast, I'm right worship brother George Mudry, signing off. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Do.